Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the house of God. Thank you for um, the people of God, our brethren in the faith, Lord. Thank you for the families that you're bringing to be part of this family of worship. Thank you, Lord, for our call to change the world, our vision, Lord, as we impact leaders tomorrow, Lord, uh, in the coming days in Dallas. Uh, allow our lives to count for the transformation of this nation, Lord. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Thank you for biblical and godly instruction. Uh, we pray, Father God, that you speak to us this morning. And that your words would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit, Lord. Uh, thank you that your word transforms our hearts. Your word converts the soul. Your word makes those that are foolish wise, Lord. Uh, allow us to choose the best things in this life, Lord. Allow us to put your agenda ahead of ours. Uh, that we might seek the kingdom of God first. And it's righteousness so that we can see all things that you have planned for us, our life hidden in Christ, Lord. Things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men, the things that you have prepared for those who love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your provision in this season. Thank you for forgiveness of sin. Thank you for healing our lives. Thank you for prosperity and blessing that we might steward it in such a way that you're honored. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, as we continue to advance in the call of God that the Lord has placed over our life, um, the purpose of our church is to fulfill the call of God. Uh, if you're brought into this family, into this church family called the local church, um, you occupy a place of responsibility um, that, that could only be fulfilled according to the faithfulness uh, that, you, uh, that you carry in the charge that's given to you, um, and and the leadership here at the church, me primarily, uh, am responsible for the end result and the fruit. Um, I keep on talking to pastors all over the world. Uh, a lot of these pastors now that I'm 52 years old are a lot of them are finishing their race, and and when I stand before them, I ask them the question: After 20 years of ministry, what is the fruit that you produce um, what it, what is the end result of what you have done in 20 years and a lot of them um, you know they can't they can't manifest a tangible fruit um, and we say like a shoe store manufacturer shoe manufacturer manufactures shoes and a furniture store makes furniture the house of God needs to raise up men that have the character of Christ uh, these men that have the character of Christ, um, produce marriages that honor God. They produce uh, children that serve the Lord, and um, they carry on the work of the Lord. Uh, this morning, I wanted to highlight uh, such a man, um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, his faithfulness in the charge given to him early on in his calling um, pretty much established Christianity worldwide and primarily here in in this letter and I, I want you to to um, 
in the next couple of days, I want you to get into the book of Romans. I want you to this week uh, say, Lord, what was going on and why would Paul uh, be responsible for this book here? Um, and when I started reading uh, the book of Romans this week and, and I was contemplating um, the purpose, uh, he had never been to Rome when he's writing this letter. So he's writing, imagine you're writing to somebody you don't know. What would you write in that letter to impact those people? Um, if we were uh, a, a, a church that he's writing to, uh, and we take the book of Romans and we say, okay, this is the blueprint of a man of God who's gonna give us our directives and our priorities. What would he concentrate on that we should concentrate on? Um, I'm forever terrified that we would be going along with the motions of Christianity unattached with the heart of God. That, that would be a devastating scenario. Um, when we read the book of Romans, we see that Paul hits primary points that are key to our Christian life. And so... Um, there's, there's, as I see him write this letter, uh, there was various um, people that would listen and, and be affected by this letter. Uh, he's writing to one of the major cities in the uh, old world, the ancient world. He's going to write this letter. And this, this city is filled with all sorts of expressions. Um, number one, there were the Romans. And the Romans were not into Jesus. Uh, they were not even into Judaism, which is the, the Jewish faith, um, but they were affected by this letter. So the same thing here at our church. Uh, there are people that are part of the Christian family that when we speak, they, they listen to me like a father. Um, there's people that come in as guests and they listen to me as a, as a, as a clergyman, as a pastor. Um, there's total strangers that come in today um, we have some invitations this week extended. I, has anybody invited people to church? Right? You invite people, hey, come to my church, and they might come for the first time. So what would we want to tell them as they approach? And the same thing that, that Paul is doing here in the book of the Romans when he addresses this letter. Um, the first thing that I want to highlight before we start anything at all is Romans 1.16. If we're going to accomplish Anything that God wants us to do here upon the earth, we need to not be ashamed of the gospel. Okay, that's, that's the first uh, scenario. Um, this week, uh, I was talking to someone and they said, man, I met somebody and I could visibly see their sickness. They, they, what, what you, you watch their lives and you see that they have a, a physical ailment. What do you do? Do you know what you do? You pray for them to be healed in Jesus' name. But he's like, no, but it's embarrassing because then they're going to know that I noticed their sickness. I go, yeah. When you notice somebody who's sick because Jesus is all-powerful and you're not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God. Unless you're just plain religion and you're not in Jesus and you are ashamed. And so you can't tell the people what they need to hear. 
So when Paul is speaking to these people, he, he wasn't, you know, he had founded the church in Galatia and the church of Ephesia, Ephesus. And so he spoke to them very sharply. In fact, in the first couple of sentences in the book of Galatians, he says, who the heck put a curse on you? Who bewitched you? Why, why are you walking around like if you're under a curse, a, a witchcraft? Uh, but that's not what he does here to the Romans. Uh, Romans, he, he says hello. He talks about a couple things. I, I want you to see he's talking to the Romans. He's talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to the Gentiles, which are the, not the Romans necessarily, but the people that were there from all other nations. And then he's talking to the Christians, to those who have met Jesus. And they're both Jews and Gentiles because um, uh, you know who carried Christianity into Rome were the Jewish people, the, the people that had met, that had heard the life of Jesus in Jerusalem. They, they were able to move across and they came into Rome and they were Jewish. But there was a Jewish emperor and he kicked out all the Jews because they were doing too much business. So he says, off with the Jews, out of the country. So now the church became uh, a Christian church of the Gentiles, right? Now there were only Christian Gentiles, but no Christian Jews. And so all of a sudden, they started seeing a couple years later that there was nobody doing business. So let's call back the Jews. And, and so they invited the Jews to come back, but the Christian church was already established, and now the Christian Gentiles didn't want the Jewish Christians to be part of the church. And so look at the mess that there's going on in Rome. Um, you have the non-Christian, the Romans, you have the, the non-Christian Gentiles, and then you have the Christian Gentiles. They don't want to let the Jewish Christians come back and be part of the church. So Paul is writing a letter, and he says, listen, we all better get on the same page. Because if not, everybody's starting their little expressions of Christianity, and that's not what Christ did. So this would be the same as in our day, uh, people have different standards of Christianity and they're playing games with the expressions of the faith that God has put us in. So look at, um, I want to tell you something. As I see this mess, nobody is concerned with people being on the right side of God. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that is like, ah, it doesn't matter. The more confusion, the better, because we get to get away with our own strand of Christianity. And, and listen to me, you might think you're deceiving God, but God's not going to be mocked. God, God is, these affairs where people are not taking serious, God takes extremely serious. And, and at the bottom line, as we read the book of the Romans, and that's why I want you guys to read it this week, uh, you get to see God's heart from the standpoint of a roadmap leading us to the right direction. And, and sure enough, uh, we, we can start, let's read in uh, Romans 1.1, Paul, he's, he says he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He's a slave from out of love to be an apostle. 
He's appointed uh, in the leadership of this enterprise, separated to the gospel of God, uh, which he promised through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning this gospel concerns his son, Jesus Christ. And so he's pinpointing uh, a clarion call. If you're concerned about God and the good news that he's established through his son, let your ears perk up and pay attention because this concerns you. This son, verse 2, who was declared the son, uh, verse 3, by the resurrection, verse 4, declared to be the son of God with power. How do we know that, that he's somebody we need to listen to me? Look, since the beginning of the time, he's the only one who has conquered death. He's the only one that's come back and raised from the dead. That's where he was declared the son of God. And then he says, verse 5, through him, through Jesus, we have received grace and we have received this apostleship for those that are obedient to the faith amongst uh, all nations. Every, every nation, this is the same gospel. It doesn't change. It's not different in China. It's not different in Russia. It's the same in every nation. Among whom you are called, you are the called of Jesus Christ. Um, listen, when we understand that Christ has placed a calling on our life, that's what uh, holds us in the direction we're headed. Um, I haven't been called by John F. Kennedy. It wasn't uh, the Constitution of the United States. It, I wasn't called by uh, the governor of the state. The calling is Jesus Christ. I don't have any issues at my house with my wife and my children because they know that our calling is not something man-made. If it was man-made, you just give it back to man and you continue on your way. But if you're called by Jesus Christ... Uh, it's a stern and, and really intense calling. To who? Look what he says. He's writing the letter to, in verse 7, he's writing the letter to all who are in Rome, that God loves, who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace. Um, that is the address. So far, the only thing we've written, uh, we've read is the address. Who is this letter going to? And it's to those who Jesus Christ has called according to the gospel um, to be set apart as his saints and, and, and he begins to write this letter. Grace to you and peace from our God, um, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he starts, he starts writing the letter to um, those that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile. And remember that the whole purpose of this letter is that these two Jews and Gentile Christians are about to break up and start two strands of Christianity. Uh, the Jewish people think that because they come from the law and the Old Testament, that they get to grab on to that to, to bring legitimacy and then the Gentiles are excluding the Jews. And he's going to sit there through this letter and says, hey, guys, 
we're all one body and there's provision in what God has done through Jesus Christ for both of us. And, and so he does a supernatural job in the letter of the Romans, making sure that these people that are confused and they're upset and they're mad at each other, that, that they stay the course. And so here it is. He, he continues to write. Um, he's, let's go ahead and, and read verse 10. Uh, I make requests. If by some means, at least I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. He says, I want to visit you. He still has it. For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gifts. If he was present, he could lay hands on them and that would establish and make them strong. That you might be established through the impartation of spiritual gifts. And then he goes in verse 12, that is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. Now, as he continues to write the letter, he says that his cause is to, um, let's read verse 14. I am a debtor to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. I'm, I'm here to serve the purpose. Um, I'm always concerned about the person that comes to church that doesn't have enough experience to understand what we're talking about. So there's new people here that, that don't understand. Well, they need to get on track and they need to come along God's game plan. Um, you don't want to keep it so basic that the guys who've been here forever sit there and says, I've already listened to this. I already heard this sermon. Um, We've only repeated one sermon in 21 years. Isn't that incredible? Uh, there was one time I was, I was running a little bit late because I was coaching my sons at, at, at basketball. This was about 10 years ago. And so I run into the church and I pull out an old sermon that was five years old. I said, nobody heard that one. That was five years ago. And I come up here and I preach it and somebody says, you already did that one. We heard that one before. And I was like, you guys are spoiled. Um, because God is a, a God who continues to serve a new banquet table for us. He wants us to press into these matters. So Paul is saying, I'm writing to those that are Greek, those that are strangers, barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. My letter goes out to both of them. And then that's where he says, verse eight, uh, 15, uh, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I've already done my job in, in other regions. Now it's time to share it in Rome. I want to open up. And, and he says why he's able to in verse 16, because he's not ashamed of the gospel. Um, the biggest curse upon the land is a person that doesn't want to share what God has given them, the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Say it with me, everyone. Everyone that hears the gospel benefits from its good news. First, he says, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, the Gentile. So he's, he's about to go buck wild um, on sharing this. And he says, this is a walk of faith. Uh, read that with me, verse 17. For it is the righteousness of God 
for in it, when we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, it's not the standard of accounting or economy. It's not the standard for politics. It's the standard of God's righteousness. So people that are not hungry for the righteousness of God, the gospel, it's, it's totally stale and useless. Uh, I met a man once and he told me, I've read the Bible a thousand times. It's the most boring book I've ever read. And, and he, you said, he said to me, you said I needed to be transparent. Why is, the, why is the Bible so boring? Every time I grab it, I fall asleep. I said, look, I was in law school at the time. That's how long ago it was when he told me that. And I said, I'm, re, I'm doing a, a course now on probate, wills, and testaments. And we, we need to learn how to do these documents. And these documents are very thick. And it pretty much outlines everything the people own, every person is going to inherit, and who is going to pass it on, and when it passes on, and where it passes on. And I agree with you. It's the most boring. This is called the Old Testament, the New Testament. This is, is, is for people that are going to inherit. You, I've read um, uh, John F. Kennedy's will. I've read Nixon's will. I've read Eisenhower's will. I know. I, there's the most boring documents. You know who is not boring to? To those that are going to inherit. <clears throat> because you're not a son of God. That's why this is boring. But when you are a son of God. The Bible is full of things that benefit your life. At, that far surpass riches. Far surpass gold and silver. We, we can't even understand the benefits that are in the gospel. So here he's saying like this. He says these are going to be. Um, the righteousness of God is revealed in this gospel. And the way you receive it is a walk of faith, growing in faith, because the just shall live by faith. What I have inherited 36 years into Jesus Christ is insurmountable in the natural. And people are like, well, how'd you do it? It's been a faith walk, one step at a time in the right direction. 36 years later, I'm living a dream. I'm living a total, it's walking in God's purpose. And, and everything we do here at church would be useless if you're not pursuing what God has pursued you for. And so together with Christ, the Bible says he's going to give us all things freely. It actually says it there in Romans 8.32 that if he gave us his son to die on the cross... He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he's delivered the, the down payment, which is the costliest, how is he going to not give us everything else he promises? All things are going to be delivered freely to us if we're in this faith walk. So uh, I don't know if you're with me so far, but the reason why I bring this this morning is because I know that people are all over the place, all over the place. There are people that are hanging on to Jesus real tight, and there are people about to let go, and they don't even know why. And so in that church in Rome, all sorts of things were taking place. 
Remember, you have the state, which is the Romans. They're not even Christians. You have the Jews that are of the faith of Moses, but they haven't been saved yet. You have the Gentiles that have all sorts of religious practice and maybe atheists. Um, this week I was, I was look, looking at an interview and a guy was, I think it was Ravi Zacharias, some, some theologian. He was talking to the guy and the guy says, no, 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 don't talk to me, I'm atheist. And he goes, but you, you, haven't you read the Bible? He goes, no. He goes, my friend, you're not an atheist, you're an imbecile. An atheist is a person that reads the Bible and then still walks away and says God didn't exist. But if you read the Bible, if you haven't even read the Bible, you're not an atheist, you're an imbecile. Um, that's, that's what another preacher said. Um, <laughs> what Paul is trying to say is, listen, there's everybody's in the mix, but it's one God, one faith, the one reality. And how does he start? How would you start? If you have a mix of people and everybody's doing their own thing, how would you start explaining faith? You know, you know, some people say, well, I would start talking about Jesus. Now, I want to tell you that Paul didn't start talking about Jesus. He says it's the gospel of Jesus, but let's start in verse 1, verse 18, where he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's, uh, in it is revealed the righteousness of God. In it, we, we walk it out faith by faith. And then he says, the wrath of God. See, that's, that's a huge motivator. What, what is the motivation? Your backside, your butt is about to be on fire. The wrath of God. You're not messing with Joe Schmo or some little preacher or some little church. You're not messing with religion. You're not messing with, no. Listen, if you don't come to the anger of a living God, I, I wish, and I, I haven't done so yet, that people, oh, pastor, you're so strong. Listen, I'm not strong at all. In light of the fire of God's wrath, some barbecue you like a marshmallow over a bonfire. You're going to be crispy. And, and, and guess what? People in our modern day don't want to hear that. Why do you have to go there? I don't know why Paul goes there. Why does Paul start with the wrath of God? The wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Now, you know, our inability to describe this reality is why people are indifferent. If you don't know that the airplane is falling and you're about to need a pa parachute, you don't care no pa parachute. Who needs a parachute? I don't need no parachute. I'm, I'm, could I have some peanuts and some more cranberry juice? See, you're, you think everything is fi fine. Listen, it's the wrath of God revealed from heaven. And we do an injustice when we allow people to think that they could keep on living like they want. You're about to lose your family and friends forever in the lake of fire. And so there's all manner of people that want to lighten up the message. And, and this is Paul. 
um, this is not how to win friends and influence people. Oh, pastor, don't you think you could be a little bit more friendly? No, I need to be more unfriendly so that the people capture that they're about to wake up in hell. They're about to wake up eternal torment of fire. From the heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth unrighteously. Um, it just occurred to me the other day, there's nothing that, that, that doesn't stir my heart greater towards God than the list of all the sins that Christ forgave me from. Do you have a list of the sins he forgave you from? I do. I have my list of everything that I was destined to hell. And every day I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank God for the sacrifice on the cross. I don't make more, much polemica. I don't make much argument because I'm like the guy that's like sitting in first class and they might find out he doesn't belong there. Like I'm going to heaven and I, I got to be like still because I, I don't want to, hey, wait. No, every single one of my sins, that Christ's blood washed and cleansed me, so I don't make issues. I don't, I, don't, I don't cause commotion because quiero portarme bien, estar tranquilito. To the coward, to the unbeliever, to the vile, to the murderer, to the sexual immoral, to the witchcraft, idolatry, treacherously, the liar, the lawless, the unholy, the thief, the lover of self, the lover of money, the boastful, the proud, the abusive, the disobedient to parent, the ungrateful, the unholy, the rebellious, the lawbreaker, the sinful, the deceitful, the loveless, the unforgiving, the slanderer, those without self-control, brutal, unloving of God, rash, conceited, lover of pleasure, ungodly, homosexual, arrogant, impure, debauchery, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, dissension, envy, drunkenness, orgies, kidnapping, gossip, greedy, boastful, evil, lazy, unfaithful, profane, merciless, insolent, malicious, sorcerer, feckless. I love that word feckless. I'm going to start using that more. Feckless is a man without character. A man that just goes with the flow. He stands for nothing, falls for everything. I like feckless. I mean, I don't like feckless people. I used to be feckless. Degenerate. Look at all these things that the wrath of God comes against man. And so we, we don't sit down with people to say, listen, let's go back here to verse 18. Paul is starting out with those that are walking ungodly, unrighteously, and suppressed truth. He says in verse 19, because what may be known to God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Already God has confronted us with our sin. He's confronted us with we're not going to heaven. He's confronted us with the verse I put in that, that was Romans 3.23. Paul is, is, is advancing the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ saying, all have sinned. Do we get a resounding amen? Yeah. 
We all are walking contrary to God, falling short of the glory of God. So because that is true to the Roman, that is true to the Gentile, that is true to the Jew, that is true to the Christian, that is true to the barbarian, to the stranger, falling short of the glory of God. He's going there. A lot of us don't want to go there. And guess what? The, the saddest thing in the world is that your children not know salvation because you haven't confronted them unashamedly. Remember that word? I'm unashamed of the gospel. I can't. Listen, it's not to criticize, it's not to belittle, it's not to, to sit there and, and disparage, and, 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 but you got to go there. You got to go there. Last night, um, we, yesterday, we were at a place and the guy says, you know something? Um, he says, you know who are the only people that don't end up going to church? Those that are never invited. So what a disservice we have that we never invite anybody. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not inviting a ton of people to come to be a part of this great place. And, and when, when they come, I pray that when they come here, they, they don't find religion and they don't find stupidity and that they don't find something that's not relevant. In fact, if you were here for the first time and you heard this message, it would be the matter of life or death, heaven or hell for you. And so Paul is, is talking about this and, and he doesn't do it on the passing he, he gets pretty descriptive, and he says, everyone knows this. Everybody, he says, they are without excuse. Verse 20, because what is known about God. No, let's go to 120, Romans 120. For since the creation of the world, the invisible. See, God is invisible? Yeah, but he's clearly seen by the things that are made. Everything that God has produced in motion takes us to the place to say, wait a second, there's a great big God, and I'm a little, teeny, little, I'm a little, I'm very small in the light of everything God is doing. Let me not be stupid. There's some people who says, well, I think about God. You're thinking about what? You have no qualifications to think about anything. Reminds me of a story. It might be a bad story, but I'm going to say it anyways. Little girl was on the airplane. This guy next to her, well, I don't know, he's an atheist. The little girl's reading her Bible. And he says, hey, little girl, why don't you and I talk a little bit? Because this flight is long, and maybe talking will get along, and it'll go by faster. She goes, what do you want to talk about? And he says, let's talk about how God doesn't exist. He's going to hit her hard. And she goes, sir, I'll talk to you about how God doesn't exist if you could explain something. And he goes, what? How come a deer eats grass and when it goes to poop, it has little beads like that? And when a horse eats grass, it has like clumps of, of, of poop. And then when a grass eats grass, it has like these big patties. And, and he goes, I don't know. He goes, she goes, well, if you don't know about crap, I doubt you know anything about God. <laughs> Conversation done. Some people want to give their opinion about lofty matters they know nothing about. And so here it is. This little girl knew this guy, had no, no expression of knowing the invisible God. But Paul says, the things we know about God, they're going to be revealed in time by the things that are made. Verse 20. 
And he says those attributes that are invisible about God, they'll be understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, the great things of God, his Godhead, so that all men are without an excuse. Let me ask you a question. When you stand before God, who is going to have a good excuse? Why they didn't serve him and obey him and live for his glory? Who? Do you know about anybody who's going to have that great excuse? I was going to blame God. I said, yeah. the reason why is because you didn't change me. He changed me. I have no more excuse. So this is what Paul is trying to communicate. And, and trust me, listen to me. Can we, I got to finish this here. Could we all agree that we just scratched the surface of this thing? We're just getting into it. And we don't know how fantastically Paul is going to conduct this symphony masterpiece orchestra to get everybody on the same team in the same way, in the same direction. And that's what I want for our church. I want us to be on God's page. I don't want to miss God. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do anything fancy. I don't want to do... I don't want to, I don't want to tap dance. I don't do anything. I want us all to get to heaven. I want us all not to miss the glory of God. Let's give a big hand to the Lord. So Paul there is only scratching the surface. He says, no one's going to have an excuse. No one is going to have an excuse. I wrote that into the vision of our church. 21 years ago when I wrote the vision, if you don't have the vision of the church, please get it. If not, you're just a blind man. You're walking in every direction except hitting the point. I wrote that in there. It says, no one's going to have an excuse. Why not to give God their best in this house? We're not going to have that. Every single one of us has the opportunity to express our highest and greatest worship to our God because of spring of life. That's what we want to happen in this place. As he describes who these people are that will have no excuses, he starts saying who they are in verse 21 because they know God. Have you ever prayed the prayer, Lord, reveal yourself to me? And then he does, and you still act like you don't know him? Lord, because they knew God. That word knew is they had a close, intimate relationship with them. But although they knew God, they didn't give him his rightful place. They didn't glorify him. They didn't say, you're first. You're the, the highest. You're, you're, the, you're the best. Since they didn't glorify God, they were not thankful. And they became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. My friend, that's the opposite direction you want to walk in. That's called acting stupid. You know God. You don't glorify him. You're not thankful. You're not grateful. Your heart starts to be darkened. And we miss God. Let's stand this morning. Paul is, Paul is, huh. I, I want to thank God for people like Paul. They're, they're, not, they're not running around. They're not, they're not faking it. They're not running around the bush. They're, they're hitting it straight on. They're, they're, we, don't, we, don't have to, we, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to act. We need, we need to move in the right direction.
I don't want to miss this, God. I, I, you know, if, if, if other people, this is an entire nation, a nation of Rome. They were so twisted. They, they, they missed it. And here one man is starting to softly, delicately, sensitively move in the right direction. And so we say, not only is God trying us to get us on the same page this morning, but we're responsible for other people to be able to reveal the reality of the gospel. You know, there's in modern times right now, there's preachers saying no one's going to hell. And God is not going to condemn anybody and God's not upset at anything and that God is, that's it. And, and that's a messed up message because that allows people to continue to walk in the same direction towards the wrath and the judgment of God. So I don't know if your Christianity, and this is what I've tried to avoid, I don't want to be meaner than God, that's religious. And then I don't want to water down the gospel so people say that they're okay. I, this, is, this is a huge price here. Christ's death on the cross. That tells me God's not playing games because his son's life is on the line. And so, Lord, make it genuine in our lives. Father, thank you for this day that you've made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you for the letter to the Romans through Paul who is deciphering, decoding the reality of the gospel. We haven't even gone close to chapter 16, which is the final greeting of this letter. But we have started, oh God, and we pray that we might be able to bring this full force into the reality and the truthfulness and the balanced ingredients of the message that Jesus Christ wanted to live upon, leave upon the earth. So let this word also transform us, Lord, into the likeness of Christ, that we might made transformed into the image of the Son, the work of your grace, the redemption plan, and allow us to take this to all people. If there's any measure of shame that we carry because of the gospel, Lord, let us say like Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Empower us, Lord, to carry this gospel and to allow it to transform our lives and our family and our friends, Lord, those we know and those we don't know, so that we might, Father God, show forth the image of the glory of God upon the earth. Bless the families that are here this morning that watch us over the internet prosper them Lord and bring them into your purposes for it is in Jesus name we pray and the house of God says amen amen